Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, Episode 76. Happy freaking Monday. Yeah, it's Monday, and that means we're back again with another recap, this time for a pretty big card that happened Saturday night, UFC 259, three title fights, one new champion, Yeah, a lot to get into there, but since we are starting a new week, Dominic, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We had a fun weekend. We had a couple friends come up. We got to watch the fights together, all hang out. We don't get to see each other as much anymore, so it's always nice when you have those evenings together. Had a blast. There were 15 fights for like the third or fourth time ever. It was long, long long day, long night. But uh, well worth it. And uh, yeah, now we're starting off another great week. And Noah, how are you? How was your weekend? Oh, it was really good, man. I mean, it's, it's always nice when, you know, friends can come up and get to watch the fights you know people again like you said we don't get to see them as much as we would like or as much as we used to so it's always nice to catch up with everybody and since we all share a common interest and our love of fighting um it's a good way to spend some time together but with that being said it was an awesome night of fight saturday uh prelims really kind of stole the show yeah I mean, they were hard to live up to because they were pretty much almost every fight on that entire prelim, and there was ten of them, was fantastic. Yeah, well, there were like six finishes, I think, or five or six out of the prelims. Yeah. Great fight. And, you know, the the main card couldn't quite live up to that, but I mean, I, when you have three title fights, I ain't going to yeah. complain, you know, and it's, um, it's hard because those prelims were so fun to watch. But obviously, we're going to get into that. But before we do, it's time for the news. The news. One fight announcement to go over here happening June 5th. Big matchup at heavyweight. Walt Harris is back trying to overcome this two fight skid he's been on. And he's placed up against a guy who's kind of on the biggest run of his career right now, Marcin Tibura. Tibura back in the top 15. Especially with the recent releases of uh, Overeem and JDS. So now he's kind of back in that 10 to 15 range. Walt Harris really trying to kind of salvage, you know, his placement here. What are your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, Walt Harris number 10, Tibera number 13. As you mentioned, Tibera's on a tear right now. 4-0 in 2020. Yep. Um, on and all, you know, <laughs> he's just on a roll. And Harris, like you said, on a two-fight skid. Very tough competition in both of those bouts, but still, you don't want to go down three in a row anytime in the UFC, especially no, in this heavyweight division where it's so hard to climb mm-hmm. because so many of these guys have already fought each other. So this is a this is a crossroads fight, it seems, for Walt Harris and for Tybura. He's trying to get back into the top ten for the first time in quite some time. Well, it's kind of crossroads if you just look at both guys kind of slopes right now. They're both kind of at that point where yeah. it's like, Who's going to take over here? Because if Walt Harris wins, he kind of keeps his spot. He kind of gets that win back, able to kind of keep get back on track and move forward. While for Tibera, after kind of a mixed run of things over you know the 2017 to 2019, 2020 comes back in a big way. Mm-hmm. Four straight wins, capped off with a big win over Greg Hardy, a fight where he was hurt a lot yeah. early on, weathered the storm, and came back and looked fantastic looked really in the second round. This is a step up. I mean, not that Tibera... Tibera's fought some of the best in the heavyweight division. Um, he even headlined a fight night with uh, Fabricio Verdum, I believe, yeah. back in the day. 
And um, Wall Harris, you know, he does kind of have some of those Greg Hardy traits, that power. Um, but he is not necessarily, and he, he does kind of slow down as the fight goes on, but he is going to be a better fighter than Early on. Greg Hardy yeah. was. So yeah, it'll be true. a big test for Tibera to see, you know, how legit is this run he's on since the majority of the opponents he beat were at least, you know, steps back. They None of the guys he beat were really top 15 opponents. So mm-hmm. now he's in the top 15 based on that win streak and kind of based off what he did before. Now he gets a real big test in Walt Harris. Yeah, it's well. You said that's June, right? June fifth. Okay, so we got some time out. That that should be big again. Important for both guys in two totally different aspects of their career. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, for sure. That's all for our fight announcements. But as for the rest, really only one headline that's kind of taken over right now, and um, it's kind of an unfortunate one. Still a lot coming out about this, yeah. so maybe not get into too much of the details on it. However, it appears Dan Hardy is no longer uh, commentating for the UFC. What are kind of your thoughts there? Because Dan Hardy was, um, out of all the commentators, you know, he he's, I, I really like the guy. Very I mean, intricate yeah, details. Yeah, I mean, the guy's fight breakdowns are incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, as far as his commentating, I would never say he's one of my favorites, um, I like him. I like ever. I like their whole everybody Every they have doing man. commentary. But um, you know, he had made some headlines with the verbal altercation he had with referee Herb Dean. Yeah. Um, because he was protesting Herb Dean's a couple late stoppages that he thought Herb had, and uh, that was one of those cards that might have been on Fight it Island. It was Fight Island. That you know, now that I think about it, that might have been like a strike one. Well, you, you remember. Know? Because uh, Dana was not Dana happy. got asked about that. Yeah. And he said that like none of my employees are yeah. to talk to the referees like that. Like you will be fired if yeah. you do that. Definitely saying a message to everybody, but most importantly, he was sending yeah. a message to Dan Hardy. And now you see Dan Hardy is no longer working with the company. Um, the 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 details are a little hazy on that. Uh, Dave Meltzer did report. I'll just put it out there that he reported that it had something to do with a perhaps a some sort of verbal altercation that took place between Dan Hardy and a female employee on Fight Island. Right before we started recording, though, Dan Hardy's kind of tweeted out that that is not necessarily the case. Yeah, and he said it was essentially an argument over a miss, <laughs> he, what he felt was a missed opportunity, maybe something they could have done on a broadcast or something. Maybe, maybe something for him to get a fight yeah, or something. something. Well, yeah, and he had been wanting to fight with yeah. the UFC. He had been wanting to make his comeback, a former title challenger back in the day. So it's all kind of just cloudy. Yeah, right I mean, he did hint in a follow-up tweet that um, he's obviously still, he's got a YouTube channel that yeah. he does a lot of breakdowns on that's really, really good. good. Yeah. Um, and he also hinted at the fact that he is basically he works for MMA, therefore, yeah, you could you might see him somewhere else. Kind of was his hint. So it'd be very interesting to see him go to maybe a competitor like Bellator or One FC or even the PFL. Maybe yeah, you something never like know. That. You never know. Um, I, I, he's too good on commentary to not be picked up by somebody. Yeah, as long as there's no serious. Things involved, which it doesn't seem there are. Yeah, you gotta keep a guy like that with so much knowledge in the sport no, for I, the fans. You know. Yeah, I completely agree. But it is a shame. But good luck to him, and we'll be listening to him wherever he goes. I'm sure. Right. Besides that, though, that is the end of the news. The news. Before we get into our our recap of our nine fights, <laughs> along with the prelim notables. We actually have a viewer message. Yes. 
Back to back episodes. Huh? Yeah, back to back episodes. This is going to be a familiar name to you guys if you are frequent listeners. Uh, Tyler, good friend of ours, he was not able to watch the fights with us Saturday, but he did leave his thoughts on the three title fights, and you will hear that. And now, UFC 259. Algermain Sterling walks away a champion. I don't believe he has anything to hang his head about. Peter Yan should have known better at his level as a mixed martial artist and to throw an illegal knee. He should have known better. So as far as I'm concerned, Aljamain Sterling is the champion, has nothing to be ashamed of. Amanda Nunes, I don't think anybody's surprised by her performance. She's a dominant champion, and I expected her to come into this fight dominant, as she always does. The female GOAT, if not the greatest of all time, man or woman. And Jan Bohovic, Polish power overcoming the Izzy effect. And Israel Adesanya talked in his post-fight interview about ruling with an iron black fist. As far as I'm concerned, he doesn't rule anything. He got that first loss, and rightfully so. Jan Blahovic, the man, the light heavyweight champion, continues his reign, and rightfully so. Thank you, Tyler, for leaving your thoughts on Saturday night's three title fights. Very intricate thoughts for a man who had been drinking some liquor, from what he said. Yes. <laughs> you know, I told him, he said, no, I sound drunk as shit. I'm like, no, you actually sound very articulate in your thoughts. And I think, I hope he can see that, hear that. Um, but I think, you know, we're going to talk about these three fights later. So we don't want to kind of go too much into detail mm-hmm. on that. However, the interesting point I wanted to take away from Tyler's message was his thought when he was talking about Adesanya? He kind of said Adesanya doesn't rule anything. Mm-hmm. Now Adesanya is still the middleweight champion, right? Um, but there is kind of that, <clears throat> you know, people are very they're quick to jump the gun. Quick to jump the gun. Someone not, like Izzy, and I'm not saying that Tyler's doing this. This is just my takeaway from his message. Yeah. Well, and it's um, just what we're seeing everywhere. Yeah. So leading up to this fight people were kind of saying Adesanya might be one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. And then he loses in the fashion he did Saturday against a great fighter in Jan Blachowicz. Yeah, it's more so people not giving Jan And now all of a sudden Izzy's never really was that good. Yeah. But he is still the middleweight champion, and I'm curious kind of what are your thoughts there? Like, do you feel like this is... This loss is kind of being blown out of proportion. Yeah, for Adesanya. I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, you got to look at what this guy's <clears> done <throat> at middleweight. Mm-hmm. He he essentially is levels above those at middleweight, is what it seems. And uh, he he took a risk, comes up to light heavyweight, going for champ champ, that legendary status. Yeah, falls short in a great back and forth fight. Mm-hmm. One we feel was three to two. We'll talk about the fight more, but uh, took the risk, fell short, uh, and I like the humble and defeat. I was, thought I was really, my biggest yeah, takeaway. Really for a guy that's it. very brash and yeah. not that he's cocky, but he's so confident and witty. Yeah. But uh, he was quick to realize, you know what? Jan is a great champion. If there's anyone I would want to lose to with my first loss, it would be Jan. And so uh, it was a great fight, and uh, I'm, I look forward to seeing Izzy go back down to his weight. He fight. did have to throw a couple jabs in there at Paulo Costa and John Jones yes. while doing so. Very, very good, very good yeah, one. Quick on his feet, isn't he? Uh, saying that, uh, yeah, I couldn't sleep last night, but instead of doing wines or lines, I forget what he yeah. said. Yeah, but and I was like, oh damn, wait, yeah, two I, birds, yeah, one stone. Yeah, I was like, oh, I recognize both those references. <laughs> so, uh, man, 
Shout out to Tyler making another appearance on the podcast. Yeah, Great really enjoyed his thoughts. You know, I, I, I definitely think he, what we're going to find is we kind of agree with the majority of what he said. Um, but it, it was just interesting that, like, that does seem to be kind of the word is, like, now I think people are welcoming a rematch with Robert Whitaker when before they were like, well, why would he take that fight? While some people think, you know, obviously the matchup Israel's kind of looking for is Darren Till, but Darren Till's mm-hmm. got to get through Vittori. So we might not see Adesanya for for a little bit. Yeah, w- those fights are happening in April, so the middleweight division is <laughs> going to play out here next month, and uh, I think we'll see Izzy back in late summer, and we'll see who he's got to I fight. I will say what was answered to me most, since this isn't really relating to the fight itself, I'll just touch on it now. Um, I don't think the fight with John Jones is ever going to happen. No, I don't think it, we will ever see. Even that though fight. Israel has said, like, no, I'll be back at light heavyweight, and I, I think he, I, like, I, he will be back at light heavyweight, but he's never. I don't, I, think, I don't think he's going to be at heavyweight. You no. know, and John's not coming back down. No, from what I've, I've seen, and, and I mean, maybe, I guess John maybe could, but he's really transforming he's his body big as right shit now. Right now, if any of you, if any of you guys haven't seen John right now in his Instagram stories and pictures, it's. I mean, he looks like a different person. I mean, he's like 240, 245. I never would have thought we, he could be He's that bulking, big, you know? like power lifting, yeah. so he's thick. Yeah, and um, I think that was answered for me, and it definitely closed the door on potentially. You know, I said, I think when this fight first got announced, I was kind of talking to him like, okay, Israel might win this light heavyweight belt, and then he goes and fights John Jones at heavyweight. Mm-hmm. I don't see Israel ever competing at heavyweight. He would... He would have to change his body a ton. Even, really, to make a return to light heavyweight, I think he's going to have to transform into a light heavyweight frame. Just yeah. like if a Max Holloway ever goes back to lightweight, he will have to transform his frame rather than try it out one time and not truly be built into the weight class. And That's kind of how I am. And, and I, this was an interesting point brought up by Chael Sonnen kind of following the fights last night. He basically said, like, you know, Israel kind of just went business as usual he had just competed in september or was it october september September. and then he's back here you know six months later at a different weight class 20 pounds heavier um but he didn't really take the time to like transform his body max holloway doing something similar while people kind of were you know, a lot of people don't like john jones and i'm not saying they don't have a reason to not like him but uh there was a lot of people definitely kind of crap it on Jones a little bit for how long it's taking him to kind of take that fight at heavyweight, but it appears that, that maybe might that's be a the smarter exactly. route to do here. I love, I'm a huge Chael Sonnen fan, his yeah. YouTube, and he always is talking about this experiment. And so on one, one side of the experiment was Izzy going up to light heavyweight but not really bulking, just kind of going in without cutting weight. For John, he's the opposite side of the spectrum where he's going up weight class, but he's taking six eight months or however it's been over a year since we've seen him fight now but uh to really transform his body into the weight class mm-hmm. and of course we won't know if that experiment works until he fights for the title so yeah it'll be interesting to see it will be but i think that's enough about that because we'll have more to get into as well. yeah tyler jeesh <laughs> taking up all of our airtime. i know exactly <laughs> now appreciate you sending a message my friend and we will be seeing you here soon for oh, 260 baby now, as for our recap of Saturday night's UFC 259, I'm going to go through the results first of the nine. Yeah, we did fights. nine. <laughs> A record-breaking performance it out of was. us. Um, so starting at the top, uh, well, we'll just start. We'll start at 
I'll go bottom top. <laughs> Why not? Um, we opened the prelims, so we didn't. We broke down every prelim and every main card fight. We didn't do any of the early prelims. So starting at the beginning of the prelims, we had Kai Kara France flyweight fight. Big comeback for him, getting the knockout over Rogerio Bonteron. Four minutes, 55 seconds of the first round. At following that, you had a catchweight fight. This was at flyweight. Uh, Askar Askarov being the lone fighter on this card, the miss weight. Yeah, it came in at 127. Yep, two pounds over. He does get the unanimous decision win over Joseph Benavidez. 30-27, 30-27, 30-26. Following that, back-to-back bantamweight fights. First, two prospects, Kyler Phillips edging out Song Yudong via unanimous decision. Great fight, as Great fight, very close. 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. And then we capped off our prelims with Dominic Cruz. Another great fight. And yeah, it really was. The best bantamweight of all time. And Casey Kenny showing that he's no slouch himself. This yeah. ended up being a split decision going 29-28 for Casey and then 29-28 for Cruz and ultimately a 30-27 for Cruz. As for our main card, start at light heavyweight. A fight that was a lot more technical than I think people are going to give it credit for. And when I say that, I mean like it was better. Yeah. Like this fight. It was a good fight. I thought this was a fight that could have really just been kind of a slugfest. Yeah. It had the potential to just be really fun. But and it turned a into sloppy. very strategic, very technical strategic. battle. Yeah, and you know what? For both guys, I would even go as far to say. However, Alexander Rakic does get the unanimous decision win over Tiago Santos. 29-28 on two scorecards. 30-27 on the third one. Then at lightweight. Oh, man. Islam Makachev. The Habib... Habib's loins were I deep. felt like I was watching Habib fight last night. Yep, and he was dominant over Drew Dober, ultimately finishing the fight in the third round, a minute 37 in, with an arm triangle choke submission, but he did it on the wrong side. Yeah, he did it from a half guard. He yeah, didn't even I mean, get was, into uh, the side control. The shoulder was, pressure, woo! man. Impressive. Then our first title fight. This oh, is going to be one we're going to be talking about. Man, History Bantam- was made, technically. <laughs> Bantamweight title on the line. And new, Aljamain Sterling defeats Peter Jan via disqualification. Yes, the first ever title to change hands via disqualification. Coming four minutes and 29 seconds into the fourth round. Co-main event. Women's featherweight title on the line. She's the GOAT. Insert man. GOAT noise here. She She's quickly, I shouldn't even say quickly, but I mean... We made she, our second ever episode was our top ten of all time, yeah. And she was like number four on yeah. mine. Uh, she might be number one. She's, I'm just being honest. She's unreal. Amanda Nunez finishes Megan Anderson two minutes and three seconds into the first round. She got hit twice. Yep, with a triangle armbar. And we capped off our night at light heavyweight. Yep, Jan Blahovich. Bullish power, defending his light heavyweight title against the middleweight champion. I Israel love Adesanya. the fight. It was a great fight. Via unanimous decision, 49-46, and then 49-45 on two scorecards. I think we'll have a lot to talk about there. Um, But before we even talk about these fights, we got to get into our prelim notables. I'm going to let you start here, Dom. Mr. Sean Brady is my prelim notable for UFC 259. A perfect 14-0 record now with seven finishes. He submitted Jake Matthews in round number three last night. 
after a dominant performance throughout, held him on the ground, looked good on the feet, and Jake Matthews is a stud prospect out of Australia, and uh, Brady just showed he was levels above last night. He really did. Dana White even saying in the post-fight presser how uh, high he is on this kid now, and uh, he's got a high ceiling. I do believe so, and uh, so much so. He might just have to get a top 15 next oh, I, I think you're right. I mean, welterweight's a great division. Um, but it, Jake Matthews has definitely been a guy hanging around that bat, you know, right outside the top 15. he was streaking 15. coming into that fight, too. So yeah. I could totally see that being the next move for him. He already does have a win over a guy like Court McGee, a mm-hmm. veteran. And um, it seems like the logical step is to really test himself with a top 15 opponent. Yeah. How about you? So I just, I do want to say, like, the early prelims, since we didn't break them down, there were six fights. Really, pretty much every winner could be placed here. I mean, there was... I mean, every early prelim except Tim Elliott and Jordan Espinosa yeah. was, was a finish. And there was so many takeaways. I think I'm going to have to go with the what ultimately ended up being fight of the night. So I'm going to go with Kennedy and Chukwu and his knockout of Carlos Olberg. That came in the second round, three minutes, 19 seconds in. Um, and Chukwu has been a guy that's kind of slowly been kind of finding himself here. You know, he's he's got a good record. He's 8-1. and one. He's only lost coming to Paul Craig via submission. You know, Paul Craig already in the top 15 at light yeah. heavyweight. And this fight was bonkers. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. Back and forth. Alberg being a guy that a lot of people are high on. I mean, his professional record coming into this fight was 3-0. and Yeah. So, obviously, this guy had a lot of hype behind Trains him. Trains with Izzy yep. in Kai Car France. Yep. So, a lot of hype behind him for yep. that reason. From the contingency. And series. early on, it was showing. You know, Alberg looked fantastic. He looked crisp. And, and Chukwu kind of had an interesting strategy of he was really letting Alberg land. But, like, none of the shots, they were so clean, but they weren't phasing him at all. He was just eating them. Yeah, and he just kept moving forward, and his pressure was incredible. And then he was landing a lot of really good shots. And, honestly, Alberg just kind of folded under that mm-hmm. pressure. And I got to just give him the shout-out there because it was an amazing fight. Definitely fight of the night if you're going over the entire card. But Nchukwu does get a huge win, a win that was kind of a come-from-behind and finished the opponent, who a lot of people were high on. And he finished One him punch in the second KO, round. Huh? Yeah, dude. Olberg, as soon as that punch landed, it was mm-hmm. done. Folded. And got to give him the shout-out there. I was very close to going Amanda Lemos for this as well, so keep an eye out for her in the strawweight division. She earned division. a ranking. Yeah, with, she's 3-0 now in that division, so keep an eye out on her. Uh, Euros Medic as well. But those are our prelim notables. It was a tough night to pick them, even though we technically broke down <laughs> four of the prelims and speaking of coming from behind wins yeah we're starting with that kai kara france knockout of rogerio bontaran uh what were your thoughts here why is kai kara france always in these just crazy one round battles <laughs> yeah holy one shit, round two man. round battles just yeah unreal and uh you know this one he was getting beat up <laughs> he was getting dominated by bontaran bontaran looked very good on the ground was controlling him very close to locking in a multiple rear naked chokes. A chokes had the body triangle locked in tight. Kai was in a world of trouble. Managed to get up, and then man, he unloaded when they got on the feet, and he essentially got a one punch. It came off. out of nowhere. Out of nowhere with five seconds left in the round, 
uh, he face planted Bontarin and uh, walked off like yeah. Mark Hunt used to do. Yeah. So you don't see that often with flyweights, first off. So shout out to Kai Care France. You can never count this kid out. And uh, he showed why again, man. He really did. Yeah, we both picked Care of France coming into this uh, fight. And the reason being for that knockout power, um, if I want to be a bit, you know, play both sides here. Care France did show a lot of weaknesses in his grappling here. The submission defense was impressive. You know, he yeah. did fight out of multiple chokes that looked very tight. That body triangle is maybe the hardest yeah. thing to get out of if you're on your if you have your back taken. He fought I mean, the hands well. Yeah, and um, Bonteron did look great early, and I know this loss has got to be a gut punch for him, but I, I think there was a lot of positive takeaways for him as well because yeah. that grappling was very strong early on. And he looked like the stronger guy in there. Yeah. You know, slamming Kai Kara France down, being able to take his back so easily. Uh, but Kara France, man, the power in his hands is no joke. And that can really take him places in this flyweight division that, obviously, the lighter weight you go, the less finishes there typically are. Yeah. And for him, you know, you're right. He is kind of in these wars all the time. He does like to kind of get make it, let it get a little sloppy, let it get hectic and... Um, he does seem to do well in that kind of environment. You know, he nearly finished uh, our boy Brandon Roy, Roy yeah. Val in the first round. Uh, Roy Val did come back and win that fight via his grappling. Yep. So Kara France really is going to have to work on that if he wants to be a legit That's contender. That's where their weakness is. Yeah. However, with that kind of power in your hands for that division, that division. he can definitely make some noise. He already kind of has. But Still young. It was nice seeing him bounce back, considering his last fight was to Roy Val. Um, I'm a big Kara France believer. I'm a big fan of him, but I will say the grappling does need to be improved upon if he wants to be fighting for a belt or even competing with the top five, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious, since we do have two top 15 guys here, what do you think is next? We'll go with the loser first for uh, Rogerio Bonteron. Yeah, so, I mean, again, these guys were tied for eighth. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's dumb. I don't know how you can be tied in rankings. But, anyway, they were tied for eighth. So, good news for Bontarin. He can't really move back very yeah, much. Yeah. He's just going to go to probably number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just a slight step back. And uh, I would go Tim Elliott, man. Tim Elliott had mm-hmm. a big win on the prelims. And uh, I'd figure, match them up. Elliott's a seasoned vet, fought for a title in the past. I'm unsure if Elliott and uh, Bontran have fought. I don't believe so because Bontran's relatively new mm-hmm. to the UFC. I think that'd be a good test for both guys. For Elliott to see if he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank. He looked damn good on Saturday. And then for Bontran, a great grappler. So two grapplers going up against each other could be in for a fun treat there. Yeah, I know. I definitely like that fight. I'm going to go with, I'm going to throw a different name out there just to, you know, be different. A guy that I'm really high on mm. in this flyweight division, yep. number 14 ranked Sue Matareji, a guy who's shown to be very effective on the feet and on the ground. And it would be another test, but Bontaran would not be able to only depend on his grappling, which I think would be interesting because, mm. yes, he did get knocked out, but it came so quick that really Bontaran didn't really get to show any improvements he potentially made on the feed. I mean, I swear, as soon as they got up, it was like the first two punches Kara France threw yeah. knocked him out. Yeah. So, Matareji, I'm not sure if he quite has Kara France power. I mean, he's a big guy for flyweight. He's so tall. And um, But Matareji does, he's 4-0 in the UFC. He does have that submission win uh, over Luis Moka, actually. Mm-hmm. So, he's been kind of 
proven himself here. And then that knockout over Gordon, that one came 44 seconds into the fight. Uh, he did just win in January. Uh, I would like to see him get a test here. And I think Bontron, not only would it test his how good his grappling actually is, but see if he can really overcome that. Even match Bontron on the ground, which is <laughs> not any easier said than done. And if that size can play a factor, if his striking can play a factor against someone who is so seasoned like Rogerio Bontron. Mm -hmm. I like it. Now For, our winner. Yes, Kai Care France. You know, Noah, there's a fun fight coming up <clears> at Flyweight this weekend. Yes, there is. And that is between, hold on, I just lost it. Here it is. Mr. Manel Cape coming back very quickly off of his loss to Alexandre Pantoja in his UFC debut. He's taking on Matthias Nicola. And I think Mr. Kaikar France should fight the winner of this bout. Now, you may be thinking, well, hold on. Neither one of these guys are ranked. Kai's ranked number eight. Come on now. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. But I think that if Cape can win this, and I'm not doubting out Matthias, but I think Cape versus Kaikar France is an incredible fight and a huge name. And if you look at the division, who are you going to put Kai up against that's ahead of him? Schnell's taken. Marino and Figure are taken. Perez, I think, is too high up. He already lost to Roy Val. He's kind of in an awkward spot right now. Right. Do you put him with Pantoja? Pantoja just came off a win. Does he fight back well, again? Let me tell you who I would place him up against. It's the one person you didn't mention that's mm -hmm. ahead of him right now. Maybe not the kind of fight that people that are fans of this guy are going to want to see, but Joseph Benavidez did suffer a pretty tough loss to Askarov last night. If he does want to continue fighting... That was my reason for... I feel like you give Kai Kerfritz as a reasonable step down mm -hmm. compared to these guys like Figueredo and Askarov that he's fighting at the top. Kerfritz does have power. So that's definitely going to be something that's going to be risky for Benavidez because he, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into his fight, but definitely his chin's not holding up too well as we get into this late part of his career, Twilight, essentially. Yeah. Um, but Kara France's deficiencies in his grappling could really lead Benavidez to potentially have a big route to victory here and mm -hmm. a way for him to kind of go out on top like he's talked about. So I think it's a great fight, and Benavidez, he's going to drop maybe a spot or two. He'll still be in the top five. So if Kara France wins that, he does insert himself into the top five, mm -hmm. and then he can really try to test himself against some of these other opponents up there like Perez Askarov, Pantoja. That's what I would go with. I like it. And it really segues us right into Joey B and Askarov. <laughs> yep. So I think the big takeaway for this one, Asgar's obviously Askar does get the win here. Um, unfortunate that he missed weight. Two pounds, yeah. uh, you know. Benavidez looked slower. He looked less crisp. He didn't quite look comfortable. Yeah, it was an odd bout. Yeah. I don't know. Asgar looked really good, though. I mean, his pressure was relentless for 15 straight minutes. He's very crisp on the feet, had good takedowns, really good clinch control up against the fence. And uh, Joseph just really couldn't find the range. He couldn't mm -hmm. find the shots to land. And uh, that's what it ultimately came down to. Asgar even got a 10-8 round mm -hmm. for one of the judges. Or, or was it all unanimous for all the judges yep. had a 10-8 round? So. Or no, no, no. I think it was Or one, one judge, yeah. So uh, I think it was more to say about Askar, really, because at this point in Joseph's career, he is getting older, and it's like, do you have anything left to prove? He's done so much for the sport for this flyweight division. It would have been great for him to go out there and win last night, but, you know, it just wasn't his night, and 
uh, for Askar, that was his biggest win and continues his unbeaten streak. So that's that's more so my takeaways for uh, the winning side, I suppose. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely thought Askar looked good, but I think that he won the fight by doing what I thought he would do. I mean, his grappling's really good, mm-hmm. and that showed. And I thought Benavidez, you know, we both picked Joseph to win this fight. Um, I thought Joseph could at least... I thought his grappling was going to be good enough to at least be able to defend the takedowns and stuff, but really wasn't able to. Ascar did hurt Joey on the feet. Landed a, a lot of clean shots. He did. Um, I... I, I didn't quite see anything out of him that was... It didn't really answer anything. It didn't really... Like, it kind of looks the same as he did. I mean, it was a good performance. I don't want to take anything away from him. But you combine kind of... I mean, he did miss weight. I, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to give him a title fight off of this, if I'm oh, being honest. interesting. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's it's tough to kind of do that, but... I just want to see him be tested on the feet or somewhere. And I know that eventually you just got to let him go for the belt. Mm-hmm. However, we do have a title fight at flyweight coming up with Moreno and Figueredo. Yep. But it won't be for another... June 12th. June 12th. Yep. So I think Askar is going to need another fight before he steps in there. Because that could potentially be another war. And then you're looking at 2022 before yeah. you're fighting for a belt. I'm placing him up with Pantoja. Yeah. Pantoja getting that big win over Manel Cape did show a lot of fluidity on the feet. He is a good ground fighter as well. I think it's a logical fight to take. Probably not what Askarov's going to want to do, but it's at least something I'm offering right now because, you know, unfortunately that title picture is kind of taken up Mm -hmm. until June 12th. I'm giving it to him. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think he holds out. Uh, he has nothing left to. I don't know. He's just fought so many of these guys, and the lone blimp on his record, even though it's not a loss, was against Moreno. So I just really want to see the potential for that rematch to happen. But again, Moreno's got to get through Figgy. I think either way, uh, Askar's next in line, an undefeated record, going to move up to number two. Has a big following behind him. Had Habib giving him shout-outs on Twitter and everything. Uh, Paralympic, you know, he's he's uh, fighting deaf, as you yeah. mentioned in the preview. So to see what he's doing at the highest of levels so successfully with really out even getting touched in some of these yeah. fights, I think he's ready, man. So it's just a matter of, do you want to wait? Because, like you said, that's in June. We're talking minimum late, late summer, early fall, maybe even late fall, depending on how much of a war that could be. But uh, I'm going title shot next for Askar. You know, it might make me a bit biased here. Because when Davis and Figueredo missed weight for the title fight with Benavidez, I didn't mind that they just ran it back mm-hmm. right away. However, Askarov missing weight here. He's not going to be like a huge draw for his first title fight, whether it's against Figueredo or Moreno. So I wonder if the UFC is even willing to take that risk on a guy who just missed weight. I know it's not something he's done a lot, but it's unfortunate that it happened because that does play a factor. You know, you've had these big title fights that mm-hmm. have essentially scrapped the title part out because a guy could make weight. You know, Romero yeah. being a good example. Can we rely on you to make it? Yeah. So I just wonder, is is it going to be worth the risk? Because Askarov's not necessarily going to be bringing in a ton of pay-per-view buys. Mm-hmm. Not saying that should play a factor, but... You missed weight. You still dominated the fight. It looked great. 
I'm just saying maybe one more. I know that's hard to do because mm-hmm. he is literally right, right there, there. But I think if the title picture was open, I would say go ahead. But since you got till June before you even have a clear yeah. flyweight champion again, I don't know. It's it's tough for me to really do that. I'll be here. curious to see how they play it with him. I really am. Yeah. On the other end, I already said Benavidez, I, I, if he's going to keep fighting, I think Kara France is logical next step. Um, I know you might feel a little differently just because you're kind of... I think it's just time. Mm. Hang him up. And that's not even like a slight or disrespect. I just think he's done it all. And he knows that you know the title shot's not there anymore. It's been acknowledged. I mean, he's had four title fights now in the UFC, 0 for 4. But look, you look at everything else he's done, and he's beaten everyone else that there is to beat. Yeah. So I think it's time to ride off into the sunset, man. Just started his own podcast, actually, with the uh, lovely Megan O'Leavy, his wife. So wish them the best of luck there. And, uh, you know, I think it would be cool to have Joey B play a factor in uh, the commentary team. To be honest, I think he's well spoken, very knowledgeable. I'm surprised we haven't seen that. Yeah. Angle. I mean, we've seen a lot of these guys that are still fighting. Obviously, the big ones, Daniel Cormier, then Michael Bisping. Mm-hmm. But you even see guys like Alan Joban, yeah. Walt Harris, Anthony Smith, really taking on roles, kind of not necessarily doing direct commentary, mm-hmm. but they're doing the like UFC the lives, the, the post shows. Yeah. yeah. And I, it would be, I, I think you know, he's got his wife is literally. Yeah the main female voice mm-hmm. for the UFC. And he is a very articulate guy. Very, very likable. He's a seasoned vet. He's got a brings ton a lot of I mean, experience. And he's also got all the respect in the world yep. from the backstage crew and all the fighters. Yeah. It seems like a logical step. Yeah, I would love to see it. Maybe it's just not really what he wants to do. That could be true. Um, podcasting, though. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell him it's a bad idea. That's right. At home with Ben Olivi. That's what it's called. Nice. It's a pretty cool name. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I totally, if he's done, like I, I wouldn't blame him either. I mean, he, when we were talking about Overeem, how he's one of the best fighters ever mm-hmm. won a belt, you got to put Ben. Oh he yeah. hundred percent. Joey B's right up there, man. Four title fights, man. It's tough to just never quite get that one, but I mean, he's going up against some of the, yeah. <laughs> the best ever when he's going in those matches. So it's, uh, it's crazy. Two fights with DJ, two fights with Figgy and you know, he fought with Dominic Cruz back yeah. in the day, even in WEC. So He's been there and done it all. Really a pioneer for the lighter guys, too, you know, when they weren't as popular, especially back in the day. And he put them on their back and went to war, man. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Joseph Benavides. Moving on to Bantamweight. Another, the two basically most promising up-and-comers of this Bantamweight division going at it. They delivered. They did. Kyler Phillips, Song Yudong, great fight. Kyler Phillips being the one who was unranked, Song Yudong ranked 14th coming into this fight. Kyler Phillips edging out scorecards, very close fight. I think me and you actually watching it live, beers are flowing. <laughs> scored it for Song Yudong. Yeah, but so much so that they started announcing the winner, <laughs> and, you and I was like Song, but he literally said Kyler, Kyler and you... I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> well, my hands are already up. Yep, um, but Kyler Phillips does get the win here, and I guess what were your thoughts kind of on this fight? Everything I would have thought. They went to battle, man, on the feet, standing. Uh, Kyler, like, out-doubled the output in round one of Yadong. Yadong doubled the output in round three of Kyler. Round two, dead even. Yeah. Both guys had ground control time. They did it all, man. I'd freaking love to see him run it back. But uh, incredible fight. Very excited for both these guys. Song was on a six-fight win streak coming into this. Kyler puts a halt to it. 
uh, will get a ranking in the process because Song was ranked 14th. Mm-hmm. What do you think is next for Mr. Kyler Phillips, Noah? The well, hair was flowing. Yeah, we'll talk about Kyler Phillips first since he will probably be inserted into the round number 14, I would say. Um, he he did show a lot to me on this fight. You know, I he does a guy, his nickname is Matrix for a reason. Uh, the guy's really good on his feet. Yeah. But he did show quite, at least he showed that he's competent on the ground. He mm-hmm. showed that he can go to the ground. And, you know, I it's tough because kind of these few names ahead of him, you know, they a lot of these guys just fought. So maybe there is a guy that he could be going up against here. I'm actually going to go with uh, Rafael Sunsell. Ooh, number interesting. Nine ranked. Okay. Um, a, talk about a veteran. That'd be a hell of a, a fight. A guy who's fought everybody, but yeah. a guy who's also on his way out, essentially. He's in the twilight of his career. That's what I should say, instead of on his way out. He's kind of fighting for his career at this point. Um, Sunsell, we last saw him getting knocked out by Cody Garbrandt mm-hmm. last summer. Um, we haven't seen him since, so if he's still wanting to compete, which I'm assuming he is because he hasn't announced any sort of retirement or anything, UFC hasn't cut him. Kyler Phillips, the young, hot up-and-comer, why not place him with a seasoned vet like a Sunsound and mm-hmm. see how, you know, a Sunsound's not necessarily a guy that's going to keep it on the feet either. So that could really test, you know, Kyler Phillips' jiu-jitsu game and really just his grappling defense as a whole. So I think that could be really fun. I like that. I'm going to drop one ranking uh, lower. Jimmy Rivera Jimmy coming Rivera. off that loss. Now this is, of course, if they don't do Jimmy and Pedro again, because <laughs> I'm all for the trilogy on that one. But if they don't, Kyler Phillips, Jimmy Rivera. We've seen Jimmy Rivera just went to war with Pedro. Kyler just went to war with Song Yadong. Put those two together. They might go to war with each other. <laughs> right. But there's potential for Jimmy to test Kyler on the ground even more. Very high-level wrestler in himself. I think that'd be a strong test to see, okay, Kyler's good, only one loss. Beat a ranked Song Yudong. If he gets a win over a guy like Jimmy Rivera, we're really starting to see the upside in a guy like Phillips. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a fun fight. What are your thoughts for Song? So the road is a little less uh, clear for Yudong here because, you know, the high, you know, your take, what you say, in the six-fight win streak and all that. But I see it from a different point of view. It's kind of the latest misstep. And a guy who is only 23 years old. He's literally our age. Well, my age. You're almost there. However, you know, he's a guy that has so much promise, so much potential, and he's really risen so quickly. But if you go back, you know, these last three fights, essentially. Start with Cody Stamen fight. That was a majority draw. Yeah. That one happened December 2019. You follow that up with a win over Marlon Vera. Controversial. Very controversial. I thought Marlon Vera clearly won that fight. And that was a featherweight because it was short notice, too. But I thought Marlon Vera clearly won that fight. And really, the fact that it was at featherweight should have played into Yadong more so because he's a big guy. And Marlon Vera is very comfortable at the Bantamweight division. And then he loses here to Kyler Phillips. Again, this is kind of like Macy Barber, who we just talked Mm -hmm. about. You know, this is, he's so young. And he's already got so much hype behind him. There's and so much potential still ESPN, there. ESPN, when they released like their um, ESPN top, 25, MMA, their under top 20. 25, under 25 fighters, he was number two, I believe. And, you know, it's just showing that he still has some work to do. Yeah. But these last three fights, it's just kind of like another misstep. So if I'm booking for Song Yudong, I think he fights another guy out of the top 15. Mm-hmm. Kyler Phillips, obviously... Out of the top 15, but he 
was a guy that was ready for that step and was a guy that, you know, he could very well already be a top 10 bantamweight. Well, dare he, I say I may have the perfect matchup for you then. Who's that? What if he takes on Casey Kinney? Yeah. Lost yeah. to Dominic Cruz, but right there, uh, four rankings. Actually, that might be perfect. Both coming off losses on the same night. That could be fun as hell, man. Or Nathaniel Wood. Yeah, either one of those two guys would be great, man. No, that's actually perfect, though. Casey Kinney. Yeah. Yeah, book Kay, that. Like, well, I mean, I know we're, we're about to get right into it, so we're going to segue <laughs> again. But Casey Kinney looked very strong showing against Dom, and uh, Yadong was strong showing against Phillips. Yeah, man. these are probably two of the closest fights on the card. Yes, for so sure. So we'll go ahead and segue into that fight. Dominic Cruz. Does get that split decision over Casey Kenny? Probably a lot closer of a fight than we thought it would be. It was close. I felt it was still unanimous in my eyes in terms of like I felt it was clear. I was shocked a judge had Casey winning, even though it was so close. But uh, you know, well, I was actually more shocked that a judge gave all three rounds to Cruz. Though. Yeah, that, that's, so that kind that's of explained point. my thought because yeah. I I remember I think on Friday's episode I said I see this being a thirty twenty seven for mm-hmm. Cruz. Yeah. I saw it at 29-28. Yeah. So I was more surprised that a judge gave all three rounds to Cruz than a judge giving it to Kenny. It was so razor Obviously, I wouldn't have given it to Kenny. I scored it for Cruz. Yeah. Um, But it it was a very close fight. I think the split decision is fair. I don't know. uh, People kind of get weird about stuff. Like, you ever see those kind of comments online where a fight happens and it's so close and it'll be a unanimous decision and people will say, that should have been a split decision. What do you mean? Uh, it literally comes down to the pin, the opinions of three people. <laughs> Shouldn't like, one per like if one person we thought like if Kenny had gotten a win here, I would have been like, uh, I mean, I see it, but like I don't understand why people are like. Either way, it doesn't matter if it was a split or unanimous. Yeah. That one guy wins the fight. Yeah. Like it doesn't do anything for the loser to have a scorecard go in his favor. What were your thoughts, though? That was just kind of a side tangent. You know, Dom still got it. The yeah. movement and uh, everything, the head movement, the unorthodox style that we love so much is still so prominent. Shout out to Casey Kenny, though. Looked good. By far his biggest jump in competition, biggest name. As we said on Friday, Dominic Cruz is not the 11th ranked bantamweight no. in the world, and he showed it again here. And I'll tell you what, you have to do Dominic Cruz and Frankie Edgar. You have to do a legend fight, man. They've never fought each other. Neither one likely going for a belt. Dom's interested in legacy fights or just, you know, in terms of last night, stopping a hype train of a prospect, <laughs> apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Dom Cruz and Frankie Edgar, man, give that for the fans. Us guys have been watching for a long time, respect both of these guys. And I'd love to see Frankie go out not on a flying knee KO. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not that I, you know, maybe Dominic Cruz could pull one of those out of his hat too, but <laughs> I think that'd be a really fun scrap. Two guys that have never fought before and just legends of uh, the UFC, and it'd, it'd be fun as hell, man. That's, that's what I'm calling for 100%. And yeah. Casey Kenny, I just mentioned. Yeah. I think him and Song Yudong is perfect. Yeah, Cruz looked fantastic. Um, he looked just as good as I thought he would, and I actually appreciated that he was willing to kind of step in the pocket and slug it out at mm-hmm. times. Yeah. You know, I figured Casey would be willing to do that, but I Cruz, you know, you go back to when he lost the belt to Garbrandt, he was very reluctant to do so, and I know Cody's power is yeah. next level for yeah. this division. Um, but it shows maybe some growth in his game because even against Henry Cejudo, he wasn't really – he was trying to completely stick on the outside – use his movement, and just kind of stick and move. Yeah. Here, he would kind of plant his feet, 
throw a few bombs and then get out of there. And I, you know what? I appreciate that even at his age, um, you know, he's not just, he's 35, not old, but a guy that's been through the ring. Yeah. He's just, he's been, you know, he's got a lot of fight years on him. I appreciate that a guy is willing to kind of step in there and, you know, show some, show some evolution in his game a little bit. Um, and he looked good doing it. He yeah. did. I mean, these guys both kind of landed good shots on one another. I wouldn't say either guy really got hurt in the fight. You know, there was no real, like, no point where any guy, like, got dropped or, um, you know, got rocked or anything. But they were landing really clean shots mm-hmm. on one another. And I, I think that speaks to both of theirs longevity. Yeah. You know, Cruz, the guy can still go for a few more years if oh, you yeah. like. You oh, know, yeah. I don't necessarily know if he should but he could and i think the matchup with frankie edgar makes a lot of sense isn't that fun i mean i'm as a fight fan i think uh after i don't know if it was last week must have been i think i had actually said jimmy rivera should fight the winner frankie edgar i think i might have said marlon rice i don't remember but i think frankie edgar dominic cruz Legend fight. Do it for the fans, baby. And just so we can, if Cruz wins that fight, just so we can get him out of this <laughs> below number, yeah. the, the top ten. Like, I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. I almost said Rob Font, just to say. I mean, the guy literally, his last fight was a title fight, and now he's 11th. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I had to give another name, it would be Rob Font. That would be funky. Because I know that the ranking-wise, it would look weird. But think about it like this. But it really Sterling does Sterling and sense. Jan are going to run it back, which yeah. we'll talk about. Then you got San Hagen, who's probably going to fight Dillashaw. Oh, At least please, we hope so. Please. So Rob Font, and then I want Cody and Garbrandt to fight Jose Aldo. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Rob Font's just kind of stuck here at number three. So yeah. actually, you know what? I'm going to go that route. Oh. I want Dominic Cruz to fight Rob Font. That'd be a hell of a fight. That's the fight I'm going to go with. That'd be a great fight. And for Rob Font, considering that's a huge name, considering before, if after the, if this was the Cejudo fight that it took place, you know, I was very reluctant to place Cruz with an up-and-comer or a guy that didn't quite have name value to him, mm-hmm. just based off of some of his comments and kind of where he's at in his career. But after taking a fight like this with Casey Kenny, to me it shows that he is wanting to really make another run, and he is kind of willing to take a step back, recoup, and then move back ahead. And Rob Font's dangerous. And he is not the number 11th ranked band. Like he, no. Okay, he is. But, but he is not. not the 11th best. Yeah. He is definitely... In the top five discussion. Yeah. Give him number three, Rob Font. I love it. Mm-hmm. And if you're Rob Font, like, even if he were to lose a fight to Dominic Cruz, it's Dominic Cruz. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to get, like, butchered all the way to the back of the line all of a sudden. And if he were to win that, hello, just add another name to the it's list the while biggest he's waiting name, on The exactly. biggest name he's beat, I know, to yeah. Marais. A fight like that, forget what the number is next to their names because yeah. it makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like when Cejudo beat Cruz. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that, a lot of people thought that was a validated win because of it's how Dominic good Cruz. it's Dominic Cruz. Yeah. I like that. So that nice, is no? Yeah. You know what? I'm proud of myself there. <laughs> That's our prelims onto the main card, a fight that you broke down here. Oh, yeah. I like, must say. Alexander Rakich, Tiago Santos, you predicted it correct. I was pretty close. I thought Tiago was going to be a little more aggressive. Yeah. But overall, fun fight. Like we said at the beginning. We were fans of some technical striking. I, I am, and I, I there was a lot of chatter online that suggested this fight was like boring. I didn't think it was at all. I thought you know it. I, considering that when Tiago fights, it usually does turn into like slugfest. And, yeah. 
you know, a lot of power shots. And this was a little bit, they, both guys were very reserved, very technical, and I appreciated it. See, I I expected that out of Rakic. Yeah, no, I, no. I, Rakic Thiago for sure. fought a lot smarter and less aggressive than what I thought. Not that that's a bad thing. But I thought he was going to come in, man, go for the kill like he That's always does. That's usually what he does. And maybe he kind of learned from the Glover fight. It's not the best strategy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had Glover hurt multiple times, but he gassed very quickly. Yes, he did. And then got dominated on the ground. We saw it. Uh, it might be Rockage. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. We it's Rakich on this show. We're going to just say Rakich. We saw Alexander, I'll just say his first name, mm-hmm. did to Anthony Smith on the ground. Maybe Tiago was kind of nervous. If he got gassed, he'd get taken down and controlled. I don't know, but overall, I, I enjoyed the fight. No I did slander too. Here. No, I'm definitely not. And actually, surprisingly, I have a lot of good things to say about the loser here, Tiago Santos. I know. I'm happy for hey, him. Don't get me wrong. I know I'm biased. He's one of my boys. He's one of my favorite fighters that's currently competing. But even though he lost here, and I, I would say I think I had a two to one rakeage, but. Mm-hmm. He showed me a lot here in his technique. You know, Santos was never a guy that I looked at as being the most technical fighter. I thought he was quite good at his explosiveness, his power. Um, before the John the John Jones fight, that guy was throwing crazy wheel kicks and spitting back kicks and things like that. And you don't see that for a man his size. He's a freak athlete. So then here, he was more reserved. Maybe a little too much so. Maybe he was, and I think that might be the problem, was he was kind of fighting like Rakich. He was almost imitating Rakich. Yeah. But Rakich has always fought like that. He's so unique. So I, I enjoyed what I saw out of Santos. Maybe should have seen a little more urgency, especially once he was probably down in the fight. Mm. Uh, but for Rakich, I mean, huge win there. And... What's next for him, you think? Winner of Yuri and Dominic Reyes. 100%. For a number one contender 100%. fight. 100%. You know, 100%. It, it's not an option. I told you because you said that to me before we started recording. Yeah. I said, well, let's see how that fight goes. Because that probably does play a factor, you know. Yeah. This was a good win for Rakich, but if, um, now it, let's say Dominic Reyes starches. Jiri or even in, vice versa. Or if Yuri goes in there and I like knocks out Reyes like in Volkan. less than a minute. Yeah. Then you're probably looking at Jiri as getting the winner of Blahovich to share of. And that's the thing, too, where there's a time frame here where, like, okay, well, Jan's going to fight Glover for sure. Mm-hmm. So do you hold a guy like Rakic if he earned it? Do you hold a guy like Yuri and Dom? That's in a. Is that in. That was originally supposed to happen in February. That got moved to the end of March or. Probably beginning of April. It might be in April. So it's coming up soon, nevertheless. I just think you match up Alexander with either one of those two guys, I think you're going to see a hell of a fight. Yeah, I'll, I think I'll, Yuri I'll and agree. Dom's going to be a hell of a fight. I'll agree with you for the winner, especially since Blahovich and Teixeira will be the yeah. fight at light heavyweight. Rightfully so, by the way. Yeah, but I, I could totally see them giving Rakich be like the fill-in for that fight, the backup. Yeah, you could even potentially do that. Um, depending on if Reyes, Prohaska ends up being like a war or something. Yeah. But, yeah, Rakic is in a good spot, but I think it's going to take one more to get yep, the title I agree. fight. I agree. Now for Tiago. <laughs> so this is his uh, third straight loss. I don't count the John Jones fight as a loss. However, True. we are kind of in the minority on that fight. Even yeah. though it was a split decision, The uh, compared to the Reyes-Jones fight, mm-hmm. more people think that that fight was close. And we just think they both were 
We thought they both beat Jones. (laughs) But Tiago here, he is in a tough spot because he loses to Jones for the belt. Then he loses to number one ranked Glover Teixeira. And now he just lost to number four ranked Rakich. So he's going to drop here. Um, I have an interesting fight in mind for him. I bet we have the same one. Magomed Ankalaev. Yep. Poor guy's going to have to fight two back-to-back killers. (laughs) Yeah. Well, really, four back-to-back to to -to back-to-back. And, you know, in some ways, this is because I want to see more out of Ankalaev. Yeah. I think it's a good test for him. Don't get me wrong. Ankalaev has showed some great killer instinct in the past. You know, that win over Jan Kudaleba, Mm -hmm. he looked fantastic. But he did leave a little something the to be fight. desired for that Nikita Krylov fight. He kind of looked like he was in... Uh, he was cruising. Yeah, he was yeah. in neutral the yeah. whole time. Um, just coasting a yeah, little bit. Yeah, coasting. And uh, I think I want to see him I want to see him tested. Tiago so. Santos, I think, will bring it. I think that's a good fight for both guys. If Santos can win, he you know that's a stud that he would beat and a guy that's rising quickly for Magomed. You're beating a former title challenger and a guy that's been there with... Literally all these dudes and in front of you. it you in the top five. Exactly. And yeah. that's, a lot of people are very high on Ankalaev, and yeah. don't get me wrong, we're not saying we're not. I just, the Krylov fight didn't really do it for me like I thought it would. I thought it would really do a lot for his career, and mm-hmm. I think it, he just wasn't, just didn't show enough in that fight, even though that's a good win to tell me that, you know, if Tiago wasn't on a three-fight skid like he is, I may not give him this high of a opponent mm-hmm. next, but three fights get Tiago's probably going to be third or fourth now. Um, I think it makes sense to considering a lot of these guys ahead of Ankalaev are taken. You know, Anthony Smith has yeah. already got a matchup. I think that's a good fight. I like it. I like it a lot. Now we move on to the heir to the throne potentially. I will say for our uh, for our second annual Joey's Awards. Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> For the yeah. second annual Joey's, uh, performance of the year just got interesting. Yeah. Islam Makachev. Flawless? Flawless over Flawless. Drew Dober. Uh, he does finish the fight in the third round with that arm triangle choke on the wrong side. <laughs> there ain't no wrong side. You know, uh, <laughs> elephant in the room. Dom tricked me. No, I'm not. No, Dom, I'm not letting you manipulate Dom, the audience. Dom bamboozled me listen Joe he got he knows that I am a big Drew Dober fan he knows that the first live event that I ever went to I immediately bought in the Drew Dober and have followed him ever since and he manipulated my emotions he's go he basically baited me into picking Dober on this podcast this you guys false. can go listen this to is it false Friday's episode it's available you wanted it and I just helped nudge you That's you all. know I, I I disagree but you knew you wanted it I disagree. I mean, I think you manipulated me, but it's fine. You have War Dober tattooed on your chest. <laughs> yeah. I did scream War Dober at the I was wanting it at least once. Yeah. Um, however, you know, Makachev. Makachev. Here's the thing. Dober is a great fighter. This was a good test for Makachev. Uh, but it was a test that appears that he didn't really need. Because he might be top three in this entire I felt division. like I saw Habib. You know? He, that he fights so identical to him. Habib's in his corner. This Which, dude. This was the fight that I definitely, if I missed on, you know, obviously we miss on fights. You know, we don't get the winner right. But for the most part, I feel like we usually nail down how good or bad these fighters are going in. It's know? all the research. 
However, this is probably the biggest I've missed on someone in a while. I was definitely not as high on Makachev as a lot of people. Um, but here, he that was scary how good he looked. And, you know, Dober, again, was less of a test than, let's say, his original schedule to match up with, like, Rafael Dos Anjos. But he passes in flying colors and really just shows that he is a threat. And he's ranked 14th. I don't know if he'll go up after that because Dober was unranked. Mm-hmm. But you got to think that that's, that's dangerous for everybody ahead of him right now because he might be Nobody wants the to third. Fight. He might be in the top three yeah. as far as talent, but he's fighting at number 14 right now. He could very well be have that number next to him by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. And if you know it's going to start. Stay, if you he know, wants to stay active, you know. Of course. And you know it's going to start that path? What is it? Dan the Hangman Hooker. Okay. Now listen. Hooker's a striker, and I get that, because you're probably thinking, oh, I'm just going to take him down. Come on. What, what, are you feeding him an easy fight? Hooker's no easy fight. No. He's shown great takedown defense in the past. Uh, you saw that Chandler, now although he did win the fight by knockout, Chandler was never really able to find the range for the knockout. Hooker was very well prepared to defend that. Uh, takedown, I should have said, rather. And uh, I think Hooker would prepare just as good, if not more so, to defend a takedown against a guy like Islam. I think it's a huge test. And if you're the UFC, you're probably starting to realize, okay, Habib's not lying, DC's not lying, this kid's for real. Let's bump him up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, he wants to fight Tony Ferguson. So before you give your prediction, I want to get your thoughts on him wanting to fight Tony. Well, that was my prediction, but... All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson here. Woo! Um, Tony Ferguson ranked number five right now. Tony losing back-to-back fights pretty... Convincingly? I yeah, I mean, convincingly is the right word. I don't think he was quite dominated by Gaethje. It was more so the Oliveira one. Oliveira was... Yeah. And that could very well be the same fate he would face against Islam Makachev, but... Tony is Tony still in my Tony eyes. Is he, Tony. He, he, no matter how sl- much slower he gets or whatever, man. I know he's old, older, and I know that he's it. He is in that twilight of his career. He's not gonna be fighting for a belt, maybe ever again. Still a threat. Still a threat to anybody, and I think a young fighter like Makachev that could make for a very interesting fight. Maybe and considering that too. Islam Makachev is kind of the disciple. Of Habib. And Habib and Tony I never think, happened. I think it's just interesting that yeah. that would be an interesting storyline there. And truthfully, no disrespect to a lot of these guys, like, you know, even Dan Hooker. I just think it's denying that him good. the inevitable. Yeah, he's that good. I think you're just slowing him down because he will probably not fight again until towards the end of the year. Yeah, we'll go through Ramadan and, and such. Um, so it'll so I be say later. a lot of this division will be shaken up by then. Yeah. But we hope. I wouldn't mind if Tony didn't fight until then because I think he needed time off after back-to-back kind of beatings he took. It's quite an interesting matchup, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, But don't get me wrong, Dan Hooker would be fun too. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I I think he's ready for top five right now. I don't disagree, man. He's a stud. Next up, the first title fight. Here's here's where things get a little interesting, right? A little spicy. Aljamain Sterling and New... Yeah. Via disqualification. First time, as you said, right. in UFC history. And now, I'm going to call bullshit again. Because we've differed on two fights on this entire card. You manipulated me into taking Dover. And then, you take Sterling and I take Jan. 
And when Jan starts to pull away, this man knees a guy who was in full-on, like, not only were his knees down, his whole body was just, like, he was basically yeah. laying flat on the ground, and yeah. he just kneed him in the face. It was pretty nasty. So, Sterling gets to win, and that means that head-to-head, Dominic pulls away even further in our predictions. I predict these things. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the <laughs> let's fight, Let's talk though. about the fight. Sterling came out like a bat out of hell, Yes, man. he did, man. <laughs> that, I'll tell you what. That pace he was putting on was impressive. And worrisome. And worrisome. <laughs> and I think those worries... It started to show. It started to show. After round one... Round one was Sterling. Oh, yeah. You know. He looked great. Peter Jan was never quite... I mean, he was getting... He was getting hit a lot. More than we've ever seen Peter Jan be hit. I don't know if Jan was ready for that pace. No. And Peter Jan is such a... Oh, calm. What a, he's a sniper. You know, okay, he also comes from Russia. So he has, imagine having that kind of, that pace and that mentality and that, I guess, confidence mm-hmm. of a, someone like Habib or Islam Makachev. But instead of being just world-class grappler, he's a world-class striker. Yeah, he's unreal. So talk about crisp. I will say his striking defense, very good. Man, Impressive and his, his takedown defense. Yeah, really, this guy's defense. What was the number at one point on the broadcast? Sterling was like one, one of, of fourteen. 14. Yep. Woo. Yeah, but uh, Jan striking defense, like you just said, unreal. Now we did think Sterling could have went to the body a little more because Jan. Yeah, Jan okay. has a really good guard when it comes to he gets his he hands, kept his hands very high, very high up on his head. But Ster, but that usually means your body's left open. Yeah. Um, Sterling didn't really take advantage of that. And really after the first round, I thought the rest of the fight was at least going in Jan's favor. Mm. Second round, very close. Sterling came out again, very fast still, but Jan started landing really good. And it, I it think was, he I dropped think him in midway that through the second yeah. rounds when he landed a, probably the cleanest shot he had landed that up ball. until that point. So fast. Dropped Sterling. And then immediately after that there was a difference in the fight it was yeah like a, it's like you flip a light switch on yeah. sterling's pace slowed down dramatically round three was when the significant dip occurred yeah. not that sterling sterling's slow pace is still faster than i mean a lot he of was people's. still landing quite a bit yeah yeah he was very um, aggressive and still fast-paced but it, it turned into yawn kind of backing down sterling and he was just reverse. kicking his shots yeah and he is his hand speed you know, oh my word and the a, accuracy while Sterling might have had the actual speed, the leg speed, yeah. you know, the the movement. movement. Yeah. Um, I think they said Jan was landing about sixty eight percent. Yeah, while Sterling was about half that. Yeah, crazy. So, what ends up happening though is we get into the fourth round, where again it looks like Jan could be in for a finish if, near the end of the round too. Yeah, if, if the fifth round had taken place, Jan might have finished the fight because Sterling was definitely kind of starting to. Uh, fold as yeah. I have already used. He that. was getting more and more reluctant on just trying these lackluster he, takedown he, attempts because he was just so tired. He basically just kept looking to clinch up. Yeah, there was even a couple clash of heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was getting kind of sloppy towards the fourth round. Then Sterling is on his knees. Was that going in for uh, the takedown? Got stuffed. Maybe I think. Yeah. And Jan kind of just holding his head, holding his head down, yeah, and throws a brutal oh. knee to the face, oh, man. which is illegal because Sterling was a downed opponent. Yeah, so then you the, knee to the body, 
So Sterling's obviously hurt by this. Um, you get five minutes, you know. He but, tried to stand up. He was toppling over. And uh, fight gets called off. Sterling becomes the champion. Well, and I, I guess I wanted to add, Mark Smith, referee, had warned of illegal strikes. Or not of illegal strikes, but he had told Pewter Jan he's grounded right before this had happened, which I think made it a little worse. Because at the end of the day... It comes down to the ref is the mm-hmm. one that rules it a disqualification or not or no contest, it could have been which I didn't no, know that it could have been ruled a no contest if he thought that it was an um, accidental or. And when when Mark spoke to the doctor, he went up into his ear and said, "I had just warned him that he was grounded, and he still did it. Therefore, it was intentional, mm-hmm. which led to overall being ruled." A Considering Mark Smith was the referee that was kind of being shit on earlier in the night. For his handling of, I believe it was the Euros Medic. The late no, no, stoppage. No. I think it was, it might have been the very first fight of the card. One of these fights, now I'm forgetting, it was either Trevin Jones, Mario Bautista, or Euros Medic, Elon Cruz. I think it was Trevin Jones. I think that's That was, was a late stoppage. Um, yeah. He was the referee for that fight and let Bautista take a mm. beating before he stopped it. However, I thought he handled this fight very well. He couldn't have handled it any better. And that's a tough spot. You don't want to be in a spot like that as no. a ref in a title fight. A maybe. title fight. You, you don't know. want to be involved in that. So, I guess what are... Obviously, this fight needs to be run back. Yeah. yeah. Because now Sterling's the champion. And, you know, you hate, not that Sterling has any, Sterling has nothing to be ashamed of here. I mean, no. the guy... He, he can't help it. And he fought his ass off. If, if that guy... If he was acting there, then you know what? Give that man an Oscar. Because that was the best yeah. performance I've ever seen. People are talking shit on him, and I don't like that at all, man. No. He, that knee, there were even people said the knee didn't land. Excuse me? What? That thing rocked his whole world. He sleep. I mean, it hit him in the eye. His eye was red. Yeah, it was brutal, Look, man. It's, um, it's a shame that it happened. And I don't... You know, it was very bad. <laughs> but for Peter Jan, I... I don't think he literally was like, oh, this guy's grounded. I'm going to knock I mean, the shit out well, of him. Well, he lost his belt. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine a world where... And it seemed there was some confusion in his corner Well, he times. like Well, like he asked his corner if he should hit him. And one one like, of the coaches seemed to say, yeah. The other one was said to punch. Yeah. He threw the knee. One guy celebrated because he thought he won. The other guy was like, oh, shit. We just got yeah. disqualified. So, I think... But when you are in this position, you know, as Tyler said in his message, where you're at this level, you're a champion level fighter, you gotta know. Error on the side of caution. You gotta know that that's a down to. You know, maybe just do that's. I mean, that's one of the most basic rules of the UFC Mm -hmm. is down to opponent rules. I mean, and I know that the rules have changed a lot over the years when it comes to like if they put their hand on the ground, Mm -hmm. things like that. But he was on all fours. Yeah, that's obvious down to opponent. Yeah. And he still threw it. I don't look at it. You know, when you're in the moment, yeah, there was you can have a momentary lapse yeah, of judgment. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of emotion going on. Yeah, I will say his Twitter activity has also been very weird. Started nice, started apologized, but then Marab, Marab Balishvili, uh, another guy, top in the ranked weight division. weight division, Aljo's partner. He tweeted out a picture with, with, with uh, Aljamain and said and knew. Yeah, and then Aljo the kind on. of gave him a bit of a. He's like, oh, the champ's fine now. Yeah, uh, that's tough. But I do think this fight needs to be run back, and hopefully, and now you know it's crazy because like Jan won the belt against Jose Aldo. Nobody thought he should be fighting him for a belt. Yeah. Aljo wins a belt from Jan. 
disqualification. It's like, do we even have a damn champion in well, this Well, the biggest class? loser in this whole affair is Corey Sanhagen. Oh, 100%. Because Corey Sanhagen should He can't should get a title be, fight now. He should be fighting for a bell. And not that, you know, fighting TJ Dillashaw ain't a big fight. Mm. But when you have a title that yeah, you're missing yeah. out on because of this, you know, it sucks. So, yeah. Sucks for Corey. Hopefully it's run back with, once these guys are able to, you know. I, Dana said so here's the weird was thing. clear. So here's the weird thing. I slept on it, right? You know, after watching these fights, I didn't want to think about it, you know, considering I had drank a lot of beer. <laughs> I'm still giving this fight of the night. And I feel weird saying that, but I'm still giving it fight of the night. I thought it was a great fight. It was. And I understand, and I hate the way it ended, but I'm still going to give it to it. Um, both guys put it all out there for four rounds, almost all of four rounds. So that's ultimately why I'm going to give it fight of the night. I respect that. Um, but yeah, it's just I feel I feel icky. You know, I mean, that, that, uh, that. can you feel excited for a rematch though, being that the fight was relatively close? Like we said, Jans began to pull away, but I don't think it's something that. Sterling can't take some notes on and come back better. You know what I mean? Well, I think he's going to chill out a little. So first here's, off. My, here's my kind of two cents. The reason why I think the fight was even close was because of Sterling's pace in those beginning rounds. But ultimately, that's also what made the later rounds so much in Jan's favor. So if he slows it down, that might... You almost think it just favors Jan more. I feel like... It just it might make the fight more competitive for the entirety of it, mm-hmm. but I think that that almost like plays too much into Jan's favor as well, where I think that Jan would probably still kind of edge out every round. Mm-hmm. Rounds three, four, five might be really close, but I think rounds one and two would be not necessarily in Sterling's favor at that point. It would be Jan. Does that make sense? I see that. Um, it, it could obviously not go that way. But that's just how I'm feeling right now. I feel like Sterling was, that was his biggest, I guess, moments, was the pace he put on, and that allowed him to get Jan kind of backing up, and he was able to land a lot more because of that. But once you slow it down, Jan, is his hand speed is incredible. I mean, the trips we saw him landing on Sterling, incredible. For a guy who's not necessarily a grappler, Made he took. Easy. He made it look so slick. He just didn't Sterling. take. He just opted not to go down to top. Control. Which I don't think he should have. Yeah, I, I think agree. he played a 100%. very, very smart fight up until you know. I'm the, very intrigued as to when they will run this back. I'm gonna go ahead and throw a date out May because there's no title fight yeah, in May. I, but hope you know. It's I'm pretty. Saying, I mean, that's still a quick turnaround. Yeah, Aljo got cleared two months. <laughs> anyway, I'm curious to see when they do it. And I'm curious to see how both of these guys will come into a rematch after. It still the makes shit me excited show. to watch it again. Oh yeah, because it was. I just said it, it's my fight of the night, and it ended in disqualification. So that shows yeah. you how good it was. Exactly. Coming event. We got to talk about a goat. Do we, should we even talk about this fight? We have to talk about the goat. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Nunes making quick work of Megan Anderson, the queen. Uh, mm. Quickly in that fight, Amanda landing those overhand rights. Rocked the shit out of remind, her. I was getting Chris Cyborg vibes Ooh. all over again. Man, Megan, Megan You could tell Megan was like a deer in headlights. Yeah. She felt that As power. soon as that shot landed. Oof. She did apparently land two shots. I didn't see him. Two total. Yeah, I didn't, didn't see him. And then Amanda, I believe, dropped her with the shot. Yep. And then went to the ground with her. What a wicked 
submission. So it was credited as a triangle armbar, which, well, that's what it was. Yeah. Right? She could have finished um, the fight two that different was, ways. As soon as she got that armbar in place, Megan was like, I'm done. Oh, yeah. it was gonna. She was going to break her arm. Or she was going to go put unconscious her and break her arm. At I mean, the same time. Yeah. It, she's, she's literally the best ever. She's unbelievable. I will go as far to say right now, on episode 76 of our podcast, man or woman, she is, in my opinion, the best fighter of all time. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I just I, I don't. And honestly, like. You got to look at a resume. I, I Ooh, definitely. Her resume. Th- like, I thought, you know, when we did our top ten, you know, I had people like GSP, Anderson Silva, John Jones in front of her. And not that you can't make that argument. Of course you can. I think I'd be in the minority in saying that Amanda's the best ever. However, my point in that video was that. I'm not sure if Amanda can really keep getting higher on my list because she's beat everybody that would kind of credit. Like, at this point, Megan Anderson doesn't necessarily boost her in that kind of all-time. She's then, just racking up doves. But when I thought about it, I'm like, she literally, like, look at the odds coming into this fight. Mm-hmm. Like, what she's done in the last six and a half years is nothing short of incredible. Heard a good comparison. She has not lost in the last six and a half years. That was the. Yeah. She was that. once nine and four. You know, Ronda Rousey's entire MMA career lasted six years. It's crazy. Amanda Lunes has not lost in that entire period of time. Yeah. Not that's not a shit on Rousey, but Rousey would be the second best ever for women's MMA probably, and uh, that just shows kind of. That Amanda, twelve fight wins. What streak. she's doing, you know, is just so special, and I just every time she fights, I just I feel like it's kind of like when Tyson would fight in the nineties. In the it's 90s, it's and so 90s. special. Yeah, when you it's like a it's a moment. It's like one of those things where it's like, oh, I remember you're where I witnessing was. a once in a generation talent. And I hope that you know, I really hope that she can get like one more big fight that like a lot of people buy into. Cause right now she's really just racking up dubs. It's crazy, man. And you, you know, go back to your pound for pound point. She is not only a champion in two weight classes, she's defending in both weight classes. She's defending multiple times in both weight classes. That was her seventh total title defense last night. Yep. She's unbelievable. Like I said, she was at one point nine and four. Now she's twenty one and four, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. And if you look at the body of work, you're not going to find many resumes that are going to stack up like Amanda's does. Yep. And uh, now it's time for her to go back down to one thirty five. Noah, until we get another person at a featherweight. She has not defended the bantamweight belt since she last fought Holly Holm, right? Yeah, and uh, looks like we have a contender. Jermaine Duran to me was at featherweight, correct? Or was that that a was a bantamweight? Okay, yeah, so yeah. That was Felicia when, was featherweight. So December 2019 was the last time we saw Amanda Nunez defend yeah. the bantamweight belt. And guess what? You had a year and a half bantamweights to show that there's a real contender, and they still haven't. Nope. Because guess who's still at the top? Jermaine Duran to me. And Holly Holm. Holly Holm. And they have to fight each other. That's so what we said. Fuck it. You called her out. She gets it. Juliana Pena. Juliana Pena. Looks like she's going to get it. Judging off of the post-fight press conference, a gentleman asked Dana White, uh, so Juliana Pena is saying that her fight with Holly Holm got canceled. That's unfortunate, by the way. I was looking forward to that fight. Yeah, I was too. And uh, Dana said, yeah, Juliana's been texting us all night blowing up our phones. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably do that. And they and he said they're looking to turn Amanda around quick, considering she got hit twice and she fought for a total of two minutes. May. 
And again, there's no title fight in May, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. It's going to be the one. So they're going to lob Amanda right there. Juliana Pena, ranked number sixth, but it looks like she's going to get what she asked for. Will she be ready? I guess you guys will have to find out when we break it down. But it looks like that's what's happening. No. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, no disrespect to Pena. But... Hey, but here's the fun thing about that fight, regardless of how it may go. Fresh matchup. Yeah, that's, all, that's, that's what, what I care about because I don't want to see her fight GDR again. Yeah. I don't want to see her fight Holly Holm. And for people, listen, I don't want to be mean. I'm sick of hearing about her and Valentina. Oh, yeah. We don't need this. Can we talk about this? Let's talk. Let's talk. Because I I keep, everybody keeps saying, you know, Ariel Hawani tweeted this. Everybody wants this fight. That they want to see her versus Valentina for a third time. And I get it from the fact that these are. The two greatest. Well, Valentina probably is the second best women's fighter of all time ever, even over Rousey. But it's. And I guess she's been so dominant. At flyweight, it's but not guys, intriguing. Guys. Well, it, listen, we do trilogies when it's one to one. It's two zero. Amanda won both. I know the second one was close, and I teen, tend to lean toward Valentina. It depends on when I watch the fight. To be mm-hmm. honest, it was such a good fight. Valentina just isn't a natural bantamweight. She is a flyweight through and through, and it shows every time she goes out and fights. Amanda's fighting at featherweight now. She's huge. It just I'm not you know intrigued this, by this You know this what fight. this is? I me. know it's a this battle. Is, this is Israel Adesanya versus John Jones to me at this point. Yeah, now Where it is. Valentina is clearly a 125-er. She is perfect for that weight class. Yeah. She is amazing at that weight class. But if she goes up to Bantamweight, she loses some of that. Yeah. Still good. Israel Adesanya goes up to light. Yeah, head like head. Valentina at Bantamweight still beats a lot of these women. Maybe everybody but But it, not Amanda. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm. That's kind of my. Listen, point. if there's a super fight you want for Valentina, well, we've given it to you multiple times on this. Tell them what it is. Weili Zhang, yes. if she defends again, if she beats Rose, and if Valentina beats Andrade, that's the, that's the that's fight the I want to see. That's the women super fight. Yeah. And I feel like it won't happen because I don't think people, for some reason, nobody wants is talking about that. We're talking about Valentina no, Amanda. We don't need to see that. And if I'm Amanda, what's I, the point? I don't want to do it. I beat her twice. Yeah. So I'm not, if, I, if I'm her, I just keep racking up. If she wants keep to keep fighting, just keep fighting. Both of you, Valentina. Because and guess what? If those. Aspen Ladd gets in there and gets a win, she's pretty much she's and right it'll there. It'll be another fresh face. And know? then you got Irene Aldana, you Yana's got Yana Kunitskaya. Yes, exactly. Uh, Ketlin Vieira still out there. I mean, there's people that could literally win one or two fights in there. Yeah, they're at least it's more so face. the featherweight portion. You know, they kind of have to go one at a time. If Holly Holm and or Jermaine Durandamy get a win or two mm-hmm. you can do that again i it's it just depends and i'm sure that we're saying this and one of these ladies could be the one that could crack the code because that's usually how it goes right it's you never know when you least expect it but right now she looks completely unmatched yeah so i think that's enough said on that as for the loser <laughs> oh yeah i mean i don't know if there's really a i i don't know that. well so there's one other women's featherweight bout scheduled it's Felicia Spencer, who submitted Megan Anderson and yep. lost to Amanda, versus Danielle Wolf, who, undefeated, former boxing world champion, fought in the Contender Series and had a win. So Megan's in an odd spot because I don't really know what they're going to do with this division. I Well, Dana's, I still Dana's was, comments were a little interesting. It's just they? unique. Like, he basically said... If Amanda wants to keep defending the belt, then we're going to keep finding people... But it's like, okay, well, what about Megan? I don't know. 
We'll see what happens. I can't really match make. I mean, she's three and three in the division. I mean, like, UFC. do you give her the loser of Felicia and Danielle Wolf? Maybe, but if Felicia loses, then it's just a rematch, and that didn't happen. I'll that throw long a fun ago. one out there. How about she welcomes Kayla Harrison to the UFC once she decides to come over? You know, you and I both want Kayla in the UFC. But Kayla Harrison probably won't be here for a while. So. It'll be a while if there is another super fight out there for Amanda down the line. That would be one. This might be controversial to say, but it wouldn't surprise me if Megan Anderson got cut. It will, and it's not even because of her skill. No, it's because there's no division. No. They're literally she can't they're just fight. going one at a time. She can't fight at Bantamweight. And really, She's the, so only, big. the only fighters that fight at Featherweight that are kind of of value to the UFC are those ones that go back and forth between Bantamweight and Featherweight. You know what I'd be intrigued for? What if she were to go to PFL and fight at Lightweight 155? She's big. Six feet tall. Cuts down be. to 145. I, mean, I think it might be too late for her to get inserted there. Well, I'm so, well, yeah, maybe not this year, but just in general. Yeah. No, you know I, I, mean? oh, I totally agree. It's... Weird spot for Does mean does she go back to Invicta? I mean, she kicked ass in Invicta. So. Yeah. Hey, she's in a weird spot. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. For Amanda, you're the GOAT. Yep. Main event time. Poland. The king of Poland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Polish power. Jan Blachowicz wins it with his uh, grappling. Yeah. And a big win for him over Israel Adesanya. Those scorecards, though, very interesting. We'll talk about that. What were your thoughts of this fight? This is going to be your This fight is my of fight night. of the night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, rounds one through three, man. Back and forth. You score it however you want. It's a toss-up. Razor thin. Technical striking battle. Jan was able to go tit for tat. I thought he was going to be a little bit more aggressive, but he respected Izzy. And they both fought so similar, really. It was a very fun fight. Very entertaining. Rounds four and five. First half of the fight would be on the feet. And played out much like rounds one through three. Second half of both rounds four and five ended with Jan holding Izzy down, Brant landing some ground and pound, nothing too significant, and uh, stealing the round. So uh, I scored it 3 2. I had Jan, I think, round. I had Jan round one, four, and five. Izzy rounds two and three. And, uh, you know, like I said, those rounds one through three, it's a toss-up. You, you score yeah, however I'm pretty you sure, wish. I'm pretty sure I scored it the same as you, but our friends even had a different. Yeah. Know? One guy had. Maybe Izzy won round one. One guy had Izzy winning the fight. Yeah. You know? So it wouldn't have surprised me either way. These scorecards tell a different story, though. Yeah, they said it was four to one. Yeah. Plus a uh, Dana, Dana caught him crazy. Yes, he did. The only round that I thought was clearly in. There, okay, there's only three rounds of this fight that I thought had a clear winner. Israel round three, and then Jan round four and five. Yeah. Rounds one and two, hey. complete toss-up. Yeah. That's why when we were talking about it, even JP, you guys heard him on Friday, mm-hmm. he was the one that scored Adesanya three, up, two. up 3-0 he said after the, the yeah. first three He said the only two rounds he lost. But he one. goes, it could very well be 4-1 Blahovich here too. Yeah. Or 4-1 Izzy. He literally yeah. said, you can... you. Adjust these rounds how you wish. Well, you couldn't do 4-1 Izzy, in my opinion. Because or, well, yeah. But, yeah, 3-2 yeah, Izzy, yeah. for sure. Um, so, yeah, it was a very close fight. I think the scorecards don't quite tell the story. Um, the only round that I thought could maybe be a 10-8 was round 5. Yeah, that's and that's only because of the finishing flurry Jan had on top. But this win, I got it. I mean, address again, another elephant in the room. Yeah, again. <laughs> he, this motherfucker, man. I'm buying a Jan Blahovich t shirt. I think you should. I think I owe it to him. I think you do. Because this man 
is on a five-fight win streak, and I have predicted him to lose every single one. Yeah. And he has come out on top of all of them, finished three of five of them. Yeah. Clearly beat Adesanya, who people were ready to look at as like a top ten of all time. and Undefeated, and never lost. And was about to reach superstardom. Jan Blahovich is legitimate. And you know what? Best career best career resurgence of all time. Yep. One of my personal favorite fighters of all time is Robbie Lawler. He's had that throne for a while of the best career resurgence. Jan Blahovich was two and four at one point in the UFC. He's now won nine of his last ten. He's eleven and six now. Yep. With a title defense. Yep. And you know what? Against yeah. an undefeated fighter. I don't care if John Jones didn't lose. The, you know, he vacated, goes to heavyweight, blah, blah, blah. Jan is the champion. Jan is the champion. He deserves to be the champion. He's the best light heavyweight in the world right now. And I just need to give him that respect because mm-hmm. we both picked out Asanya. And, yeah. you know, Izzy didn't look bad here. No. To me, where the fight, I guess, was most decisive anywhere he was, was on his back. When he was on his back, Izzy's real main way to try to get out of, you know, try to um, get out of being on the bottom was to, like, power his way Like out. Derek Lewis. However, Jan, Jan That's where the size him. played in. Jan outweighed him probably about 20 pounds. 20 pounds. yeah. And it was just clear, Israel Adesanya is just a much more effective fighter at middleweight at this point than he is at light heavyweight. And again, that could all change, but right now, again, it's it's a thing where he's going to have to really work on the physique and become a natural, There was some great flurries in here, though. You know, Israel oh, yeah. hurt Jan a couple times, and oh, Jan yeah. hurt Izzy just it as much. It was so fun on the feet. You know, there was a couple times that Jan looked a little staggered. You know, Adesanya mm-hmm. does have some... You know, that striking is still as legitimate as, mm. as you would World class. But Jan Blahovich showed me a lot here. It's not just, you know, Polish power is the fun, yeah. the fun thing, but it's kind of like, it's like the Trojan horse. Yeah. You got Polish power, but really, the guy's grappling is great. He's got more submission wins than Duncan. Yeah, so that's what's so interesting. And people almost use that against him. He has the highest takedown accuracy of active light heavyweight. Yeah, that was said on the broadcast. That was an interesting point. Uh, he's a. I mean, he, he really looks like he's poised to kind of make a run here. I think he can. He's 38, but he looks fantastic. People hit their primes at different points. And the confidence has got to be growing for him. Oh, You know, going into this fight, it literally looked like it was kind of like a, a crowning moment for Adesanya. Yeah. That was kind of how it was billed as, and Jan was kind of, I don't want to say thrown to the side, but he wasn't, you know, Adesanya is the bigger name, right? Yeah. Jan wins here. He's a star. Not he's, a superstar. No, but he's, but he's a star. I mean, he's one of the best fighters in the entire UFC yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. So what's next for these two? The battle of who's going to have the best career resurgence ever. Because right <laughs> now, Jan has it. But damn it, Glover Teixeira is coming for that <laughs> crown and the light heavyweight title. The rightful number one contender made weight as a backup in the event this fight got scrapped. It's Glover Teixeira. And it's hopefully summertime. You got to agree. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm. Uh, got to be Glover. So I def Glover Teixeira is clear number one contender. And I am intrigued by that. Fight. Another guy who I've kind of counted out of his last few fights. You know, I thought he'd lose to Anthony Smith, and he got hurt early, came back, dominated. Same with Tiago. Tiago Santos thought he was going to lose that fight, got hurt early, came back. And both of these guys been in the UFC in this division for years, never fought each other. A fresh matchup and one that's very intriguing. Also, real quick, credit to Jan for going five rounds for the first time yeah. in his career. Yeah. 
At least Never looked UFC. tired either. Well, he was gas. He looked. I mean, he was. That man was breathing heavy in round five, but that's when the takedowns came in. Man, play. you want to see, talk about perfectly timed? Woo! He couldn't have timed those two takedowns. His fight there. IQ is definitely unmatched mm-hmm. here. On the other end, Israel Adesanya is still the middleweight champion. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to give a, a clear name because you got two big matchups coming up, right? Yeah. So you got Robert Whitaker and Paulo Costa. Then you got Darren Till and Marvin Vittori. Someone in those two matchups is going to... Someone's going to have to do something significant. Yeah, because especially if I you're believe. Whitaker, Costa, or uh, Vittori. The only guy that could get away with just a win and maybe still get a title shot is Till. Yeah. And that's because he hasn't fought Izzy And also yet. Israel really wants that fight. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm intrigued to see him and Vittori again if we ever get that. Also, just want to put this out there. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, another guy who has a fight coming up throws his name in there. Be, don't be surprised if Kevin Holland beats Derek Brunson if he's next for the belt. You never know. I know that ranking-wise he might be a bit further down, but a guy that's made a lot of noise. What if he starches him, you know? And remember how we all thought it was crazy when he was, like, talking, talking shit to shit Israel to after Now all of a sudden we're like, oh. He, and he might be a legit threat. Yeah. Crazy. So, I don't have a clear name in mind. If I had to guess right now who I think he will fight next, I think it'll be a rematch with Robert Whitaker. So the winner. No. So if Costa beats Whitaker, he won't fight Costa again. But if Whitaker wins, it'll be Whitaker for sure. If I'm listen to what I'm saying, I'm saying this is based off of kind of how I'm predicting these fights to go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying that Israel Adesanya, I think, will be defending against Robert Whitaker next. Wouldn't surprise me if it's Till, but I think that Till-Vittori fight might be a bit more of a war while I could see Whitaker starching Costa. If Costa beats Rob, but Vittori beats Till, do we see Izzy versus Till instead of Izzy versus Costa? If Till, wait, you said Vittori beats Till? Yeah, and Costa beats Rob. Then you'll see Vittori, I think. Okay. That's what I think, Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to predict right now because there's a lot of rematches in play. That's why I don't be surprised if Kevin Holland also gets his name in there or Derek Brunson, for that for that matter, even though that would also be a rematch. Man, it's just... Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. He's literally <laughs> ran through the division. Yeah, really, it's you got Cannoneer who's still coming off that loss, and we haven't heard much and about Hermanson's him. And Hermanson's off of a loss. Hermanson, Darren Till, those are the three fresh guys in exactly. the top six. So. It's tough. So that's why Kevin Holland would be... It's tough when you're great, I guess. Yeah, so we'll see what's kind of next for him. But you know what? Why not Why not Kamaru Usman go up and go for championship? <laughs> no, I'm just... It's, it's, it's a really interesting time. It's a tough spot. Yeah, I would be very... We might need to do a breakdown of that division here soon, but... That could be fun. Um, we'll probably wait till after the month the, of April. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is... It for our recap of UFC 259. A great night of fights. It's always fun watching fights. Oh, yeah. As for what's next, well, it is this week is a little extra special. Yeah. We do have a Wednesday episode. Don't quite have the TBA. uh, Yeah, to be announced. Maybe that's more fun for them. Where we just drop a surprise. Yeah, maybe it is. So we will be coming to you on Wednesday. This is a three episode week. Friday, though, 
We love we like this main card, don't we? This main card was yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, headliner changes around Hamza. This was originally him versus yeah. Leon Edwards. He's out. Leon Edwards taking a fight that I was not expecting. Yeah, Bilal to see. Muhammad. Bilal Muhammad stepping in here. Dare I say a badass poster, by the way. I do like the poster <laughs> a lot. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm slowly getting more interested in this fight. Mm. Um, I'm not, you know, it's it's just different. It's different. Nobody, and, and it, you know, it. you got to be happy for Bilal Muhammad yeah. to get this yeah. opportunity, and then for Leon just to get back in there. But that's going to be coming on Friday, along with yeah. Let them know a few of them. Yeah, I mean, this is a six fight main card, maybe seven. Might fight. Be I don't seven. know. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I don't know what they're doing, but I mean, you got fights like Eric Anders and Darren Stewart, Manel Cape. Versus Matthias Nicolau was another one you mentioned. Dan Ige, Gavin Tucker. Hello, we just talked about that one. Ben Rothwell, Felipe Lenz, and obviously uh, the the co-main, Misha Serkinov, Brian Spann. Yeah. Very fun That's fights That's a really on there. good card. So I'm very excited to break that down with you on Friday. Three-episode week, people. Strap in. Yep. But until then, Dominic Salih, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter and Instagram, at dsalee14. Find the podcast. On Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore M-M-A podcast. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with our social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. Something we really want to hit in 2021. You've heard Tyler's, now. Tyler's beautiful voice on here a couple times, yeah. along with JP. Keep them if coming. If you would like to be featured, whether it be a question, a comment, on a fight, news story, if you just want to say hi, tell us we're a piece of shit, you can do it there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be improving the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we'll see y'all on Wednesday.